Hey, good morning. Good to see you all today. Hope you're having a good morning so far. So far. Yeah, I just turned 41. I'm really feeling good. Uh, hey, we're not going to talk about me. We're going to talk about something else today. Can we switch to the other uh, thing here? Last time we talked about a long pier taking a short walk off, or how's that go? A long walk off a short pier. No, we really talked about itching ears. How many of you remember that? Oh. Hey, let's open our Bibles right now, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let's open up right now and we'll, we'll get into this uh, study that we have today, uh, following on from the itching ears. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, we looked at last time. It says, For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. So, he... He's telling us that, you know, this time would come. You know, he's been speaking about the word. He said, he told them, you know, that all scripture is God-breathed and it's useful. It's necessary. We need God's word. And then he told Timothy to preach the word. But he said that time would, the time would come when they wouldn't want to listen anymore. They wouldn't put up with it. They wouldn't put up with sound good teaching that came from the scripture, from the Bible. Instead, he says, there would be this, this itching ear syndrome, you know, it's this thing of tell me what I want to hear. And, and that would be the order of the day. You know, I was thinking about this again, that if you have an itch and if you, if you keep scratching it, what happens? It starts to bleed. You start to do damage, right? I mean, you thought, well, that'll make it better. But if you keep scratching, it's going to do some damage. And, and really, this whole syndrome that's, that has, you know, happened to the church has done damage. And really, because of, you know, this idea of, of saying what we want to hear instead of what we need to hear, instead of what God has said in His Word... And then you have the, the preachers who bow to the pressure of what people want to hear. We really need to be on guard. That's really the, the point of that whole thing. We need to be on guard. We need to be discerning, right? Can I hear amen for that? Okay. Today, though, I want to look at something a little different. This is Happy Hal, and he's the jack of all trades. You know, when you hear that phrase, you, you kind of think of an insult, right? It's kind of an insult. Are you the jack of all trades, master of none, right? And, and, but but a, in, in many people's estimation, it didn't really start off as an insult. Really, it was a compliment. Because, because you had a statement like this, that a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. So, so there's something kind of positive about this, and... and uh, you say, what has that got to do with anything in what we're going to look at here today? Well, it, it kind of, it, it does because God wants us to do everything that he puts in front of us. 
And we're going to talk about that. Paul's writing to Timothy, and this is what he says. He says that, that we should fulfill all. We should fulfill all that God has given us to do. All of it. Now, some things Timothy would be better at than other things, right? And it's true with us, too. Some things we will be better at than other things. But does that mean we say, no, I don't do that? Do you ever have that attitude? I don't do that. No, I have that attitude about certain things. With, I'm not going to do that. And not because I can't do it, because I don't want to do it, right? But really, the, this uh, idea of being fat, faithful, available, and teachable, I think that's, a, that, that's something that we should aspire to. To be as fat as we can be. And that's why we have these monthly potlucks. So we can get as fat as we can. No, we need to be faithful, available, and teachable. That's really what, what we need to be. You remember the old phrase, uh, I don't do windows? You remember that, some of you that are older? Some of you younger guys are going like, I don't know what that means. That mean, that's, is that a computer term? That's if you're a Mac person? No, I don't do windows. Right? That's kind of the way that, that rolls. Well, Paul, Paul is, is nearing the end of his life, right? He, we're going to look at it uh, very shortly. We looked at it in the beginning of the study of 2 Timothy. Paul's really coming to the end. His, his time is almost up, and he knows that. Not, not, not only is he older, but he's in prison, and it's not looking good. You know, the, the sentence is really just about to be handed down, that he's going to be martyred, killed for his faith. But he's looking at Timothy, right? And, and Timothy is younger, and, and Timothy has so much more ahead of him. And, and this is kind of, I think, some advice that he's giving to Timothy, that you need to just do what God puts in front of you to do, no matter what it is. We'll look at that. But I want to say to you younger people that, that you are the future. You younger people, especially you younger folks that are here, you are the future. And don't be afraid to step up and, and put your hand to the plow. Because if you just leave it for these older people, guess what's going to happen? Well, you know, like me, when you turn 41, you start to get a little tired. You know, you start to not have quite as much energy as you used to have. The future, the future is you, you younger people. I'm looking at your faces now. I'm seeing you here. The future is you. Not, not that you older people are, are, are unimportant. No, it, we all work together, right? It's, it's important. We're all part of this body. But if we don't plan ahead for the future, and if you younger people don't start to get involved and step up, Eventually, it's just going to dry up, right? So let that be a challenge to you. You older people, I think you need to be challenged, too, to keep your hands on there, too, uh, all the way to the end, and keep doing what God has put in front of you to do. Let's look at verse 5. He says, but you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship and do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and, and the challenge that Paul gave to Timothy and the challenge that you have for us today. May we hear, may we listen, but may we also do what you call us to do in Jesus' name. 
So he, again, he's speaking to Timothy, who is younger. And, you know, earlier he said, don't let anybody despise you because of your youth. Don't let anybody look down on you because you're younger. But he says, you know, there are people here that are going this direction of the itching ear syndrome and that whole thing. He says, but you, you got to be different. Just because everybody's going that way, just because the status quo and the majority is. And if we look around the, the you know, the church universal, it, it, just because the a whole section of the church is going towards this thing where let's just. Let's just play what we want to play so that we keep people happy and, and we keep the offerings up and the, the attendance up and everything else. Paul says, but you don't be afraid to be different. Show a different way. And really what it is is, is to stick to the word. Stick to the word. Don't turn away from the truth of God's word. He said they were turning aside from the truth to fables, to myths. He says, don't let that happen to you. That's a challenge. That's a, that's a heavy challenge for you and I. <clears throat> Stick to God's word. And, and uh, for us, that's, that's always, always, always going to be something we need to keep in mind. Well, are, we, are, we, are we being faithful to the word? Are we sticking to the word? Are we, are we veered off into kind of a, a different direction? Are we left behind our our foundation in the Bible and the Scripture and the Word of God. If that ever happens here, and I've said this over and over again, if it ever happens here, go find a place where the Word of God is being taught and preached faithfully, where that's the focus. The focus isn't on me and you. You, you can get a very people-centered congregation, you know, or you can get a very God-centered congregation where we look to Him and we look to His Word. It's very easy to go the other way. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't care about us because we wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be here today if I didn't know that God cared about me. And He cares about you. But we're not here just to tickle my ears and to make me feel good. We're here to worship Him and to focus on Him and, and to find out what, you know, what He wants us to do what his plan is, what his purpose is. So number one here in this, he, he says to keep your head in all situations, you know. I just think about that, and, and I, I was looking for some graphics, and I found some, you know, with no heads, and I thought, that's a little bit too, you know, grisly. That's a little bit uh, too much. But, but to keep your head in all situations, some versions say to be sober, but this isn't just for Timothy as a pastor. This is for every one of us. This idea. And the word, the word literally means to abstain from wine. Now, was he talking about drinking? He was talking about uh, having a clear head. Not being, you know, uh, distorted. But trying to keep a clear head. And it, it means to stay calm. In whatever God has called you to do. And again, he's giving a little list of things, uh, important things about if you're called to serve God, which... How many of you are called to serve God? Well, about half. Let's see. Let's try that again. How many of you are called to serve God? Uh, that's a little bit better. I'm going to remind you that you raised your hand here in a few minutes. So if you're called to serve God, there's some things, and he says to keep your head in all situations and to, to stay calm. And what, what I think, and, and someone pointed this out as well, is that we need to be careful of 
this. Because this is what happens to us, right? We, we, we have this huge panic button. He says, keep your head in all situations. Keep a clear head in all situations. Doing whatever God has called you to do. Do you ever feel that way? Like, there is no way I'm going to do that. And you've got this big, we, we, we joke about this at home, you know, we've got this big red button. We have them all over the place at our house. And they're all, they're all wired into this big alarm system. And that, you know, if anything starts to go different or wrong, run to the panic button. And all the alarms start going off, the lights start flashing in the house. Really, that's what we have. No? Have you ever been to my house? You know, the truth is we may not have it wired up, but the truth is that we do that, and I do that. We're ready to hit that button no matter what. Instead, what, what, instead, what should we be doing? We should be looking to Him and trusting in Him. It's, the panic button means that we are freaking out, and it all depends on me, and I need to fix this thing, and, and I need, and I, 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 I. And it's not easy. I understand that. It's not easy. I, like I said, I, I want to hit the panic button. I think some of us are a little more prone to hit the panic button a little sooner than others. Maybe. I don't know. Is that true? Some of us are a little more high-strung than others. Some of us are so calm that we don't even have a panic button. Right? But he says... Keep your head in all situations. Again, the context here is serving. The context is doing everything that God puts in front of us to do. Don't panic. Don't panic. If God has put something in front of you to do, don't panic because he's going to provide what's needed for you to do what he's asked you to do. So when it starts to go south, what do you do? You have a choice. We all have choices to make. Do you, do you like just start to freak out or do you say, well, listen, I'm going to have to get on my knees. I'm going to have to pray. I'm going to have to look to God and, and see if he'll help me through this thing. Which one is the better? What, a, what good does it accomplish when you hit the button? You just get all everybody else freaked out around you. Have you noticed that? It, you notice how it's like it's catching if you start to panic and freak out, the people around you, they start to panic and freak out. Pretty soon, the whole room is panicking and freaking out. Be different. Is it going to be easy? No, it's not going to be easy. Because that's the point number two, right? The, the second thing he says to them there in that verse is to endure hardship. Keep your head, he says, in all situations. Then he, then he says to endure hardship. Endure hardship. In other words, it's not going to be easy. But I thought that serving God would be like this total spiritual high. And I would be up on the mountain. You know, told, if, you know if you're going to do something for God, you're going to be so... Up there all the time. Isn't that the way it works? It'd be nice. 
But that's not what Paul's been saying. In fact, in, earlier in, in chapter 2, he said, Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. The same exact word there. Endure hardship. And, and hardship comes in lots of different, different ways, doesn't it? He doesn't mean just when things get hard, but afflictions that come. When we face physical afflictions, when we face troubles of all different kinds, pressures of all different kinds, he says to endure those things. What is our first choice when hardship, affliction, and trouble comes? Run away. Get out of there. Go away. But if it's coming in the midst of what we're trying, when we're trying to serve God, we're trying to do what He's asked us to do, if we just run away, what will we then accomplish? Nothing, right? I think we, I think we need to expect that there will be some hardship, that it's not going to always be easy. Expect it. It's okay, though. I think, I think if we have a different attitude about it, if we... If we have the attitude that it's okay and it's it's part of the challenge and that God will get us through. Someone wrote this, that experiencing painful hardship that seems to be a setback but really isn't. How many times did God use those things to, to get our attention in a different way? Or to bring about something different that we never, ever would have expected. We never could have thought or planned for or whatever. But when it got hard, when it got difficult, God used it. God used it. I, you know, again, uh, we want to just stick to what the Bible says. And, and the itching ear syndrome would tell us, you know what? If it's hard, if it's wrong, if it's difficult, then it's not from God. God's not involved in that, so the devil's doing this or whatever. But the Bible says here, endure hardship. He knew it was going to happen. He knows what's happening. He's going to be right there with you to endure that hardship. I don't know about you, but uh, hardship... Do any of you ever face hardship? Or am I just preaching to myself here? You know, it's, isn't it kind of like this? Your, your life is like this. You, got, you, know, you, you hit this hard spot and then you come up and things are going pretty well. Wow, I'm glad I got through that one. And I, I'm, you know, it's going to be a long time now before I have to face another one of those. And then as soon as you say that, and that is even in the midst of trying to serve God and do what God wants you to do. Endure hardship. Be faithful, be available, be teachable. God can teach us a lot of things. We need to hang in there, even in the hard parts. The next thing he tells Timothy is this, is to do the work of an evangelist. And and, uh, let me ask you this. How many of you here are evangelists? That you, you know God has given you the gift of being an evangelist. Anybody here feel that way? Okay. Anybody else? Okay. So a couple of you out of, out of a good-sized group of people here. So does that mean that, not, that we just never do any kind of evangelism? And evangelism means, means uh, you know, proclaiming a message about good news about Jesus the Savior. Right? 
So does that mean if we're not an evangelist that we never do that? I, I think what Paul's telling Timothy is that, you know, even though there are certain things that may not be your main thing, what God has kind of gifted you to do, it may be out of your comfort zone, in other words. That doesn't mean you're not supposed to do it. You know, none of us, uh, you know, are Greg Laurie. Greg Laurie is Greg Laurie. We're each different and we're each gifted differently, but... but to do something that maybe is out of our comfort zone doesn't mean that God isn't asking us to do it. Maybe that's part of the hardship. Philip was, was called an evangelist in Acts 21. Ephesians 4 said that some were specifically gifted to be evangelists. But Timothy, they never really call him an evangelist. And, and uh, I think... I think that, that Paul was telling Timothy, you know what, you need to just be willing to do it all. No matter what. Even the stuff you don't, you don't get, you don't understand. Now there are certain things, okay, I get this, I, you know, I'm not, uh, I wasn't born yesterday, I was born 51 years ago. Uh, am I getting closer? But, you know, there are certain things that maybe we should not do. There are certain people that should not get in front of people and sing. I understand that. Okay? I'm not going to mention any names. I'm not even going to look at anybody right now. But that, even that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not called to sing. I, I've been looking at Psalm 13 lately, and, and, and Psalm 13, and I'm going to talk about that one of these days, and I'm working on some music for that. But David writes, you know, how long do I have to go through all this stuff? How long? How long? The enemy is like beating me up, and I'm, I'm depressed, and everything else is going on. But at the end of it, he says, but I trust, and I rejoice, and I will sing. It didn't mean that all those things were going to go away. And so, so for us to sing, you know, it's, it's part of, uh, of the victory that we have in Christ. Singing, believe it or not. Some of you say, well, I don't sing. That's sad, I think. I'll be honest with you. I think you're missing out. I don't sing. Well, sing at home. Sing in your car. Sing in the shower. Make sure no one's home. But sing, because there's victory in singing. I, I have to tell you this, and not just because I'm a singer and because I love music, but it's what the Bible says. But I trust, I rejoice, and I will sing, because the Lord has been good to me, is what he says. Where was I? When I got off on that singing tangent. We are all called to be lights of the world. He says, do the work of an evangelist. There's some work involved in serving God, right? It may not always be easy. It may be stressful. We may want to hit the panic button, but, but do the work. And do the work of an evangelist. You know, if, it was, if it's all dependent on only those couple, those few that are called to be evangelists, Guess how many people are going to hear about Christ? Not many. 
maybe a bunch, but not everybody. But, but if we could mobilize the number of people in this room alone to, to share the gospel and to, to share Jesus, you know, I, I sometimes don't like just using the language share the gospel because people go, I can't share the gospel. I don't even, you know, I'm not an evangelist. Now I'm talking about sharing your life, that, that, that what you know about Jesus with somebody else, your own story. You know your story. You, I know my story. Hey, Jesus changed my life. If the people in this room, if we shared with one person, can you see how many people that would affect? I'm not trying to put pressure on. I'm just telling you that that's part of who we are. We are called to be lights in the world, reflecting the light of the world. Who is who? Jesus. We're called to be lights in the world. And you say, well, I can't, you know, I'm not this and I'm not that. Uh, Timothy could have said the same thing. But, but Paul said, listen, do the work of an evangelist. Just share this love of Jesus. You know, many years ago, I realized I wasn't an evangelist, but I knew that God wanted me to continue to share this challenge, people to accept Jesus Christ and to, to, to give their lives over to him. So every service we pray at the end, giving an opportunity for people to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's not my forte. It's not my number one thing. But he says for him to do it. Now, the last thing is kind of sums it all up, really, in a sense. He says to discharge, to discharge all the duties of your ministry. In other words, do everything that God has called you to do. Now, here's where I remind you how many, you know, that you, when I said, do you, any of you call to serve God? And just about everybody's hand went up. Fulfill all that God has given you to do. If you're called to serve God, then God's got something for you to do. Fulfill whatever it is that God wants you to do. And, it's, and Warren Mearsby says our task is to find His will and to do it as long as we live. Find what it, God has called you and gifted you to do. But not just those specific things. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an overall willingness to do. I'm willing to do anything. I'm willing to do whatever God puts in front of me to do. The uh, Ecclesiastes says, you know, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Whatever your hand finds to do. Is there something you see a need somewhere and you go, well, I wish someone else would do that. Well, why don't you step up and do it? Well, I wish... You know, I'm going to give the pastor a list of things that we should be doing here in the church. And maybe they'll, maybe he'll do them. Maybe I will. But most likely I won't. But I really feel like when people see things, when you can see something, a need, you can see a... Uh, an area, whether it's a physical thing or a spiritual thing, when you have these eyes to see it, I believe that God is kind of working in you to kind of get step up and get involved somehow. Even if it just begins with prayer, where you begin to pray for that thing. And then as you begin to pray for it, God might ask you to step up and actually get involved somehow. You say, well, I don't know what there is to do. Well, we had two guys up here just... Uh, 
now we had actually three people getting up here talking about areas of need, right? And, and there, you know, we have lists of things that you can do. Fulfill whatever God wants you to do. Fulfill all that God has given you to do. He told Timothy, discharge all the duties. Make full proof. Full proof of your ministry. You know, I was thinking about my life because I have to look at these verses and I have to, it has to come into me. I'm not just a mouthpiece. To, it needs to come in and work in my life too. And sometimes, you know, it, it <clears throat> really hits me and sometimes I just kind of like take it in and try to process it and, and see how, you know, what it, what it means. But I'm just thinking about my life in this area too, you know. And again, this isn't just for the pastor. This is for all of God's people, I believe. But you know, I could say, well, you know, my job is to teach and preach the word. Okay, yeah, you know, God has put that in my path. God has put that in, in me that that's one of the things that, that I need to focus on. Okay. But I also believe that music is something in my life that God has put in my life that I need to and want to and desire to focus on and, and to be involved in. Okay. So I'm not doing anything else. You're supposed to say, really? <laughs> now that's a kind of attitude. That's an attitude, right? Well, I'm not doing nothing else. But you know what? It, whatever needs to be done. Since when did we say, well, you know, that's kind of beneath me or that's kind of above me. But if God puts it in front of us to do, I, I like getting involved in all kinds of stuff. And sometimes, you know, people say, well, you shouldn't be doing that or you shouldn't be doing that. Let someone else do it. And, and, and I understand that, that sometimes we need to let things go so that other people can do them, right? But there's stuff I want to do that I like to do. I like working with computers. I like working with the technicals. I like working with equipment. I like trying to fix problems. I like working on the tractor. I work on the tractor here. I like that. I don't do it because I have to. Well, I kind of do. <laughs> but I like it. It's fun to me, right? But there's other things, too, that, 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 are, that are need to be done that, that really aren't that fun. That, that we need to be willing to say, you know what, I'm, I'm just willing. I'm willing to do it. I don't really want to do it. I don't really like doing that, but I'm willing. I think we've got to start there, right? Whatever needs doing to be faithful, to be available, to be teachable. David Guzik had a, a reason, uh, a list of reasons why we don't and why our ministries go unfulfilled. Fear, and I, I think we can all relate to this list, right? Fear is a big one. Uh, unbelief, we just don't believe that God is, could use us or could do anything. This next one, the cares of this world. We're just consumed by the cares of this world and we're not willing to do anything. We, we're so caught up in the world and the world around us. The fear of man. Any of you ever have that? How about the fear of woman? No, I'm just kidding. How about criticism? Talked a little bit about that last, last uh, week. 
How about discouragement? You just want to quit. You just get so discouraged. Or maybe besetting sin. There's a sin in your life that you need to you know, bring to the cross and overcome and so that you might be available to serve God. We can come up with a lot of excuses, but you know what? In the end, God's still calling us to fulfill all that He's given us to do. Whatever it is. You know, we have a, we have a group of leaders in this church. There's a bunch of leaders in this church. And I, I reckon that any one of the leaders would be willing to talk with you to help you figure out how you might get involved. I believe that. From practical stuff, we have a lot of practical stuff around here, to outreach ministry kinds of stuff. We've got some outreach that we're going to be doing in the new year. We're going to need a lot of people involved. Fulfill all that God has given you to do. Keep your head in all situations. Don't panic. Endure hardship. It won't always be easy. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. I want you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. We're going to close with a couple of passages. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 17. He says to tell Archippus, See to it that you complete the work that you have received in the Lord. See to it. Take heed to it, the King James Version says, to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that thou fulfill it. Look at it. Look at your life, he says. Take heed. Look around. See what your life is all about. Is there any time in there to serve God to, that you can be available some way, somehow? You say, well, you're starting to get a little bit too much. Well, you know what? This is the word. This is what God's telling you and I to get involved, be available, do something. Then turn back to Philippians chapter 2. One book back. Chapter 2 and verse 12. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. It's not, we're not working to be saved. We're working because we're saved. We're working out something that's already inside of us. This salvation that God's given us kind of comes out in a, a form of service. But look at verse 14. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. That's what he wants us to shine like stars in the universe. Every one of us, each one of us. So my challenge again is, is what is it that God's given you to do? I have to ask the same thing. And, and, and it's kind of like, a, you know, a renewing and, and uh, because, you know, 
certain times have certain things going on. But, but you know, as times change, as we change, as we get older, as, as, as God uh, works in us, different things open up, different avenues, different types of opportunities. So we have to kind of reevaluate from time to time, I think. What's God put in front of you? You say, well, he's put nothing in front of me. Well, then I think we need to open our eyes and see because I think he has. I really do. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, the challenge of your word. And, and I pray for each one of us that we would continually look and take heed and, and, and pay attention and see those areas, those things that you put in front of us, how we might serve you, the, the ministry of serving, serving others. I pray you'd light a fire in us and, and that as that fire grows, we would be those lights in the universe, shining out the, the love of Jesus, the light of Jesus, Lord. Help us to be practical as well, Lord, to think of of uh, what we might do, steps we might take, maybe little baby steps that we might take to, to step up and be all that you want us to be. I know it won't be easy. It'll be hard at times. I know that we want to panic at times. I know that we'll do things that maybe we're not so comfortable with at times, but, but you'll be there with us every step of the way. Because you work in us to, both to will and to do of your good pleasure. So, Lord, we commit ourselves to you this morning. And I also pray, Lord, now as, as we close, Lord, for any that may not know you as Lord and Savior, that they would uh, take this time right now to surrender and say, I, I need you. We sang it, I need you. I need you in my life. I pray and ask you to come into my life and be my Savior, to save me from my sin that I might have eternal life and follow you. For that's where true life is. Knowing you and following you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's stand and sing together, shall we?